Well, good evening. Hello. Is everybody hungry? Amen. Good. I I might ask that again. Is everybody hungry? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. All right, so all right, y'all are responsible for doing this on Wednesdays and Sundays too, and bringing that kind of expectation and excitement, right? It just because Jim leaves doesn't mean that you just drop that. That's your responsibility, right? All right, just checking, just checking. So it has been an awesome week, and uh, we are uh, I'm excited that we're at the end of it, and I'm not excited that we're at the end of it. I'm excited because tonight's going to be awesome, and I don't really want it to end. But uh, eventually, you got to get on a plane, and you got commitments other places, but we have so enjoyed having you. And so um, there was a... Um, uh, several people are coming in from out of town. Some people were able to get here one night, some nights, you know. But what I wanted you to know is if you do go to the Boomerang website, which is just boomerangchurch.org, uh, you can click on media, and then there's live video and archives. And all of these services are in the videos. Uh, there you can watch the videos. Uh, you can download the MP3, so you can download the audios there. There's no cost to that. It's just there. It's a service we provide. You can also go back to August of last year, and you can watch those meetings when Brother Jim was here, and I would recommend doing that. They were really, really good. And uh, so we, uh, we've we just been so blessed to have uh, Jim here this week, and, and uh, I just ask that you would receive him right now, uh, just as somebody that the Lord has sent to help us. And so as we receive him, let's bring that expectation that excitement, and I want to give you every minute you can have, brother. Amen. So, right, thank amen. you very much. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bless you. Well, good evening. Trust that you're doing well. It's been a good day, hasn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, I don't want to get sidetracked right from the very beginning because I want to get into some things. But um, had a chance to meet with. A young man here that, that came. In fact, where are you, buddy, Nathan, where are you guys from? Huntersville. Huntersville. Okay. I'm not real familiar with how far away that is. Lake Norman, uh, Lake Norman area? North okay. North of Charlotte. Uh, had, a, had a chance to, an hour away, okay. Had a chance to just meet and had a really good talk. Um, almost you could say, Nathan, I wish that we could just redo that talk all over again because that's, that's the kind of stuff that everybody would really love. Those are the kind of moments. It's kind of like, you know, since we're doing this radio show, uh, BJ did this to me last night. Our show is going to start here in, uh, oh, another hour or so, a couple hours, I guess. Um, but last night I recorded it. And um, so I was on Skype with him. And it's the second time he did it because I'm not there in the barn to find out what he's doing, you know. <laughs> so uh, we started talking because we always do. We'll talk about some of the things that, that we're going to share and talk about. And so he went ahead and pressed the button without me knowing we were recording. Nice. So he already recorded about 40 minutes before he said, oh, I'll tell you what, let me just get a little music here and, and uh, put the beginning of the show on. And then he did. And then after he came in, he said, well, we've already recorded about 45 minutes. It's like, oh, you dog, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, he did that to me before too. So, um, 
But the reason why I did is because we've always said while we're sharing and while we're talking before the show, somewhere in our time of talking, we, we'll make the comment, or he usually makes it, but I, I'll make it too at times, or we'll just look at each other and kind of make it together. Wow, this would be good radio right now. In other words, some, and he's made the comment for years, some of the greatest moments mm, haven't been recorded. They were before the show. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, when he has the opportunity to do something when I don't know that he's doing it, he'll go ahead and sneak that in on me. Well, um, my talk with you, that was good radio. We were talking about healing and making mention of some things. And I'll just share just a little bit of it, okay? Uh, Tim, we had a moment. There was a moment where before that real nice moment on the 17th tee, you know, before then, I don't even know where we were. We, we were playing some golf today. We, I like to do that in the morning time. That way I don't have to just get stuck in a, in a room all day. I mean, I can, only, I can handle half a day in the room with myself, you know, and God. <laughs> but I can't handle a whole room, whole day in the room by myself and God, okay? It's not God didn't have the problem. I got the problem when it's too much time in a room, okay? Man wasn't meant to be locked up in a room. He was meant to get out in the outdoors. Amen. Smell the air. Praise the Lord. Get dirty. Whatever. Anyhow. So uh, I like to do that when I have an opportunity. Of course, you always get good fellowship with individuals that you go with. And so we were off, and uh, the course, you know, was, was not manicured or taken care of like it should have been. It was real dry, and they, they obviously are hurting for money out there. So letting the fairways go and not, not putting the... Um, you know, the fertilizer down and the weed kill down, just something simple, but it's obviously a money thing. So it wasn't like it was pristine and beautiful, but still there was that moment where we stopped and we just said, let's just look. Look at the fairway. Look at the trees. Look at the landscape. Smell the air. Feel, feel the climate. I mean, we're out there. It should be really hot, but it wasn't hot. There was a, a cloud cover. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, my, my, my radio host always says, you know, uh, you know, God doesn't like golf, you know? It's a waste of good pasture. Um, but I'll just share this, you know? I can't tell you how many times I've been on a golf course, and it should be storming. Everything about the weather said it should be storming, but there's not one drop until I finish the 18th hole, and then it storms. The rain comes. Same thing today. We didn't have one drop until we left the golf course, and we didn't really have... Any, uh, a lot of sun to beat down on us. It was just this nice 70 degree weather with a little bit of a breeze. It was just beautiful. We were taking it in and in that moment of taking that in, I made the comment, this is the same thing as getting somebody raised out of a wheelchair. Same thing. No different. And then we're standing on the 17th tee and Tim caught it. I didn't, but he said, hey, look. And I turned around, and just as big as Dallas, you know, there's a beautiful bald eagle flying over this palm, you know, just wings, just majestically flying, that beautiful white, white tail and white head just flying right like this over this, and not far away from us, up in high into a big pine tree. And in that moment, all you want to do is sit there and just kind of look at it for a second, and you think, that was really nice. Thanks. <laughs> Because that's grace. And I looked at Tim and I said, that's worth 10 people being healed of cancer. Yeah. 
See, people miss. We're too busy. We're acidified. We're, we're conditioned. Internet, our phones, the TV, the way people are trying to do life. We're missing the greatest experiences of God everywhere. Nathan had a great comment. I asked him, what do you think about this? He said, well, you know, there's times when I'll look and I'll see the landscape, but behind the landscape is a city. And the city's the best that man can do to build something that's supposed to be important. He said, but there's nothing in that city that's alive. But the landscape that I look at, everything's alive. And it's like, that is good. That's good. Because you're recognizing what is of God and what is of man. You know, God spoke to a guy by the name of Job. You know, he's, he wasn't really mouthing off, but he had some really bad friends. Of course, his wife wasn't necessarily so great either. She said, curse God and die. Mm. Anyhow, his friends, you know, were always trying, were trying to come up with the reasons why Job was in the situation he was in. And it got Job over into questioning this and questioning that. But you know, Job stayed very, very steadfast to the fact, I will not curse God. But 38th chapter, 39th chapter, 40th and 41, if you want to see some stuff that will curl your hair, you read those chapters, especially if you find yourself a good paraphrase, the the, uh, Message Bible would be really good to read that in. But even in the King James, you can get it. I mean, God says in the King James, now prepare yourself like a man. I'm going to talk to you, and you're going to answer me. Now, I don't know about you, but those are fighting words. In other words, God right now ain't real, real excited, you know. Because Job's bringing him into question. And from the very first verse, For four chapters, all God does is is begin to reveal the majesty of his power and creativity and his ability to create everything that he's made. Where were you when I put the stars in their sky and the constellations by name? Where were you? Tell me if you know. And it just gets worse from there. And he just goes down one part of creation after another part of creation, talking about the billy goats, talking about the leviathan, talking about the ants, talking about this, talking about that, talking about the snow on the mountain caps. He's just literally describing everything that he did and the life that he put in it, how he created it, and then bringing question to the man that questions his character. Where were you? In other words, he uses all that he made to make a connection with Job. See, we, we miss so much. So, wow, I'm so busy, I just drive my car and don't even see half of... No, we don't see it at all. I'm thinking people that live in the city. They're living on concrete all the time. Every once in a while, maybe they go to the park. Or maybe there's a tree stuck in, you know, the sidewalk. It's got a little grate around it. I mean, look at the squirrel. He buries nuts everywhere. And he knows where they are. Half of us don't know where our keys are. 
even when they're in our back pocket. Huh? How does he remember that? That's grace. How come the geese always fly north and south? Why wouldn't they just all of a sudden one year decide, let's try something different, go east and west? Because there's a Geiger counter in there. There's a GPS in there. That's grace. There's so much to see and to connect with. People miss this. And this is how you begin to build a connection. One little piece after another until your heart starts to recognize spiritual things and starts to acknowledge that God is a part of all of it. And as you do, you build confidence in a connection. Confidence in your, your ability to hear him. Confidence in your ability to pray and get an answer to your prayer. You know, if all the, the sockets, the, the electrical outlets, if all of them were used up right now, and you had an appliance and you needed that appliance to work, what would you have to do first? You'd have to unplug something, wouldn't you? In order to get your plug. Now, is it difficult to get the plug in when you unplug something else? No. See, there's, there's really the heart and issue of what we're sharing. We've got all of our outlets plugged up with things of the flesh and things of the world, the busyness of life, the cares and concerns. Jesus went through these things. He said, you know, there's, there's potential for great production and great <coughs> increase in your life, but the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and love for the things of this world will choke that out. And he said it in many different ways and shapes and forms. And what he was trying to get across is if you buy into the way that the world does what the world does. In other words, the way the world is right now is not the way God made it to be. We marvel over spaceships that can go so fast and new, new uh, you know, uh, uh, airplanes that are almost like helicopters, but yet they're jets at the same time. I think, man, I'll tell you what, we're just making such progress. Really? Why don't you ask Philip about how much progress we're making? When he came out of the water and all of a sudden he was dematerialized, kind of like Scotty, beam me on up. And all of a sudden, he's gone and he's put into another place. Yeah. Who's to say we ever needed an airplane? Yeah. Who's to say that if we hadn't been in sin, God would show us how to do what? Be transported yeah. from one place to another. We get all enamored with what man does. But who's to say that has anything to do with what God had in mind in the first place? Everything that man touches always seems to lead other men astray from God. So how do you connect when it doesn't seem like there's anything in this world to connect to? You begin to acknowledge at the smallest of levels, because everything is small, the ability of God to create. Boy, you're a tree hugger, aren't you? No, it's not about being tree huggers. It's not about going back to nature. It's about what? It's about acknowledging and being grateful that God is seen, visible, and real in your life 24-7. Yeah. We're just not finding him. Come on, use the example of, of all the plugs and the outlets being used up. If you're not hearing God's voice, it's because you're hearing other voices. It's just that simple. So unplug from the voices that seem to have your attention, that has your affection. See, we can say, even with uplifted hands, and I'm not against praise and worship by any means, but we can say with uplifted hands when everybody else is saying it, and we've got music to back us up, oh, Lord, I love you, and I glorify you, and I praise you, and I worship you. But Abraham called worship, putting a knife in his son, 
burning him until he was ashes and watching God raise him back up. That's what Abraham's worship was. So in other words, what we do in a building with everyone else as the music is played doesn't necessarily mean any of that means anything when we step out of this place and actually have to step beyond ourselves to actually trust God without holding on to anything else. And that's what God sees. He doesn't just see this well-meaning heart that wants to worship him. What he sees is there's no connection. We're not connecting the dots. We're not doing our math. It's like we're turning in math papers that don't have the right answers on them. Yeah. And we all have to do those equations. Yeah. Now the coolest part to all this, seeing that you're all you know, in a really wonderful place of excitement right now, <laughs> and I guess I did that to you. The beautiful part about all of this is all of our sins are forgiven. Even if those sins are influenced by past generations and the way that the world spins. Kind of sounds like a soap opera almost, doesn't it? Huh? That's right. Even if they're influenced, all those sins are what? They're already forgiven. They're already wiped off the mat as what? As anything that would keep you from experiencing God. That's why the throne of God is wide open. Yeah. Amen? Yes. Under the old covenant, we had a window that everybody had to stay underneath in order to get blessings. And God would bless you so much out of a window that you couldn't even contain it all. Think about that. Under an old covenant, you could get blessings out of a window that would be more than you could contain. But how many of you remember what Jesus' job was, his, his profession was before he turned into the ministry? What was he? He was a carpenter. So does a carpenter know what to do with a window when you, wanna, when you want to uh, renovate? Well, absolutely. Jesus took down studs. He went ahead and took down everything, headers, everything that he needed to take down. And he didn't just widen the window. He took the door off. He took the front of heaven off. And he opened up heaven as wide as heaven is so that anyone can come at any time as boldly as you need to come because grace covers all your sins and get right into the very presence and heart of God to find all your help and all your need. So what does it mean? Every moment, not just every day, every moment is a fresh moment for you to do what? To reinvent your reality. And that's what you have to do. You have to reinvent the reality that you know. If the reality that you buy into and the choices and decisions and affections that you have in your reality are not getting prayers answered and you're finding God and you're hearing God's voice and you're enjoying fellowship with him as real as we can hear one another and see one another right here, then you have to reinvent that reality. When do you do it? Every day? Every moment of every day. You challenge yourself to do what? To begin to see that God is involved in your life. And the first place you can start is in the simplest of little things where God's involved in living organisms of what he's created on this earth. How you begin to build what? You begin to build a connection with God. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Because the more real you begin to see that God is real, then you'll look at things like defeated symptoms of sickness and disease that really aren't actually accurate. Yeah. And how in the world could you give your allegiance to them when you just got through seeing a bald eagle fly up into a tree? Yeah. In other words, don't you think that God put a whole lot more thought and a whole lot more time into making that bald eagle than he has to put into killing 10 cancers out of 10 different people? Yeah. 
especially when Jesus already defeated the cancers. They're already dying their own death. How much does he really have to lift his hand in order to do that? And yet look how much he put into that eagle that he could fly so majestically. Nathan made the comedy. He said, so it's a matter of perspective. Yeah, it's a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of perspective. In other words, if you could see the battle already won before the battle's even been fought, how would you act in the middle of the battle? That's right. Huh? You know, they had a song that said, don't wait till the battle's over, shout now. In other words, we're shouting the victory before we even get to the battle. This is the beauty about the God that we serve. Come on, the battle's already over. On this side of the cross, the battle's already over. But if your reality is the battle, then you're not going to make it through. If your reality is the throne where you've already made it through. It's amazing how you can do the things that you can do when you're not bound by the flesh and by the world. Anybody say amen to that? This is really why I've come, not just to share some messages to encourage you, to make you really think, but to give you the opportunity to make some, some simple little choices every single day and take advantage of every moment of every day to include God and let him be a part of your day. I mean, ladies, if you're going to go do some laundry, uh, why don't you just ask the Holy Ghost and Grace to go ahead and do it with you? I mean, I have to do that because of the way that I do laundry. Huh? It's not always that good, so it would really behoove me to let God be with me. You say, that's kind of silly. That's kind of... Well, let me ask you a question. If we're to acknowledge him in all our ways, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, and then he'll direct our paths, how can you acknowledge somebody in all your ways when he's not there for 90% of them? It's like saying if your dad, you know, you, you only knew your father for up till age three, and from that point on, you don't even know your father. Then how much of your, your last 47 years, now that you're 50, have you been acknowledge him, acknowledging him every moment of every day? Yeah. No, you've done everything you can do to forget him. Right. Why? Because he's not there. So if we're supposed to acknowledge him in all our ways, what does it say but God really wants to be involved in everything you do? In the littlest of things that you do that are seemingly unimportant to the greatest of things that you seem to be important. He wants to be involved. How do you get him involved? You've got to acknowledge him. Begin to build this relationship where the smallest of little things, you begin to say, Lord, that's you. I, I like that. That's awesome. I appreciate that. See, most people think, well, you're just lucky. You know, you go golfing and the rain doesn't come until after you're done. That's just luck. No, that might be God. Well, that was just a coincidence. It might be God. Boy, you're so fortunate. It might be God. And if it was God and you acknowledged him, what's the possibility that he might want to do more? Doesn't that seem like the way that he does things? He just likes to make it better and better and better and better and better. So you acknowledge him one time and God says, you like that? Yeah, I really did like that. Would you like to see something else? I would. Is it all right if I went ahead and upped it about 10 or 15 points? Yeah. See, we're supposed to be grace junkies. And that doesn't mean, like some people think, using grace so you can do all the sins you want. 
Because that's the whole point of grace. The whole point of grace is all about you experiencing God. And when you experience God, you lose the want to to sin. You see how foolish it is to put your time in things that are sinful. This Christian life was never supposed to be just this hard grind where you try to not do something you really want to do. And you go three weeks without doing it and look back and say, at least I went three weeks without doing it, but you're nuts because you really want to. (laughs) That's not Christianity. Christianity is God taking away the want to because you're in his presence. I mean, the joy of having my wife and there being true love there is that the love that I have for her causes me not to give love away to anyone else. Right? So I wanted to share that because, Nathan, that was really good. We had some real good radio there, you know, and it's still not as good as what we had, but these are the type of things you begin to talk about, and as you do, all of a sudden, you know, uh, developing a relationship with God is not really that difficult. It's very, very simple. We've just lived in a lot of religious circles where it makes it look like it's really hard and you've got to do all these 15 steps to the seven different reasons why you can have a relationship with God. And if somebody's got to point it out like that, most likely they don't have one either. He really does just want to talk with you. He wants to walk around with you. He wants to be a pal. He wants to be a buddy. He wants to be a friend. Amen? Amen? And the more really becomes, the more stuff happens. The more people say, oh my gosh, you're like really lucky. Oh my goodness, you're really fortunate. It's your lucky day today. That kind of stuff becomes a norm. I think back to, to my friend BJ, you know, just in his first few months of beginning to experience God on a real, very real basis. He began to experience grace like that just starting to work for him instead of him working for God. This gal took him to a church service, and this pastor walks up to him, and BJ's got on his best, you know, he's only got two pair of jeans. (laughs) They're Wranglers, you know. And one of them is his work Wranglers, and the other one's his dress Wranglers. He's got his dress Wranglers on, so he's dressed as good as he can be, you know. Nice shirt on, he irons it, you know. And uh, he's sitting there, and this pastor walks up and says, oh, man, we'll have, to take up, we'll have to take up an offering for you so we can get you some church clothes. Ah, uh, that's not the thing to say to somebody that reads 5,000 words per minute and pretty cranky most of the time. Um, <laughs> probably not real good. So anyhow, it didn't take but just a second for BJ to respond to that and had that man just going, just walked away like this. And he, and he looked at the woman and he said, oh, this is a joke. And then he just looked up to God, and he said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's get as many pancakes as we can as fast as we can. How about that? And the lady's with says, what did you just do? He said, I just prayed. And she said, that's not a prayer. He said, yes, it is. That's a prayer. She said, you can't pray like that. He said, I, you can too. I'll show you. Let's go. And he got up, and they went out and got in his car. And there were at least seven or eight lights before they could get to the corner where they would turn and then go to IHOP. And each, each light was green. Green light, green light, green light, green light, green light, 
green light, green light. As they were coming up to the last green light, she looked at me and she said, well, you know, this kind of thing happens on Sunday. <laughs> so him being the kind of person that he is, he just underneath the green light, which was the last one, he stopped the truck, put it in park, and turned it off. She said, what are you doing? He said, as long as I sit here before this green light, it'll stay green. She said, what? He said, just watch. And that light stayed green for over three minutes. The other lights are just red, freaking out. People are kind of stopping, going to the intersection. And they're sitting there under the light, and it's just green. <laughs> Which, that's a long time. So she looks and she says, okay, okay, okay. I get it, I get it, okay. He starts the truck, puts it in drive. The moment he went through, it turned yellow. They pull into IHOP. They get out of the truck. They walk into IHOP, and the little waitress there comes running up to him with this just big smile on her face, and she said, it is your lucky day. And the lady says, what's so lucky about it? She said, the managers had twins. Uh, pancakes around the house. <laughs> and she looks at him and says, really? I can't even believe God likes you, let alone that you get all these pancakes on the house. See, these are things... But I know some might find it hard to believe, but these are the kind of things that God does for people that do what? That are connected. Oh, I just want that connection so much. No, you really don't. Oh, no, I really do. No, you really don't. You have to be careful. What do you mean? Because whatever you really want, you find a way to get it. Have you ever wanted something, but your budget wouldn't allow you to, but you went and you just kind of finagled to say, if I just kind of put a little bit of this here and put a little bit of that like a Rubik's Cube, and you did your, your math, and all of a sudden you go to your wife and you say, we can get it. I found a way we can get it. Because you really what? Want it. If we really wanted a connection with God, you could find it everywhere. And you could begin to build that connection until literally it feels like you got an invisible buddy hanging out with you. Excuse me, sorry about that. What? Yeah. Everywhere you go and you're hearing his voice and he's talking to you like you got a parrot sitting on a pirate's shoulder. Amen. Why couldn't he be that real? And why wouldn't he be that real? He's your dad. He really wants to get to know you. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. He really does. He wants to get to know you. So how badly do you want to know him? Well, this comes back to our subject matter. I'm glad I could actually get it back somehow. <laughs> so come over to Hebrews in chapter 11, because everything about, as we go through the next 20 minutes, showing you some things and reading some of these passages and bringing out some points here about these old patriarchs and men and women of faith, everything about them was very black and white. It was very absolute. Now, we've made that comment before. We'll make it again. You'll hear people say, without even thinking, when, when statements are made that people agree with, this is a very common word in our language today. You know, words change all the time, but this is a very common word. Oh, absolutely. People will say that. But if you were actually, I can't do, I can't do this water. 
I can't do this, Father. Here you go. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, I don't know where I was, so we'll just go. No, that's okay. We'll just go on. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Notice it was an act of faith. And this act of faith, if you really want to know about it, this is what righteousness is all about. Righteousness is 100%, 1,000% commitment unto everything that is right. We should be just like Jesus, vessels that everywhere we go, when we run into things that are wrong, we should have the ability to do what? Make them become right. It shouldn't be a big deal. It should be very simple. Verse 3, by faith we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. You take a verse like that and you can build all kinds of sermons about words, how important words are. Words are containers. The power of life and death is in the word or in the tongue. And those that love it eat the fruit of it. The only problem is today you have to do what? You have to make some adjustments with those scriptures. Well, you wouldn't adjust the scripture. Well, the scripture is still the same, but you've got to adjust it to the way people think about words today. Talk is cheap. People don't believe in words. People say things all the time. People say things all the time just to get rid of people. Words are cheap. We've lost our meaning. Thank you for your enthusiasm, but it's true. And if we don't believe our own words, how are we going to believe God's word? It goes on to say in verse 4, By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. See, God's always looking at the heart. And this is the part of you you have to engage. You need to engage your heart. Boy, I love what Jesus said over there in the Message Bible. John chapter 4, when he was talking to the woman at the well. Remember that? What, are you a prophet? And then he went on to say, he said, you know, because she said, we worship. And he went on to talk about true worship. And he said, God is spirit. And they that worship God must worship in spirit and truth. The Message says, you must engage your spirit in the pursuit of of worship. I like that a lot. These days in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I know a lot about Engage. What do you mean? I, I, I tried to buy at an auction a nice little yellow car for my daughter, but I didn't look because the auction was going so fast. I didn't look to see that it was a standard shift and not automatic. And she kind of freaked when she got in it to try to learn how to do a standard shift. Well, that's something we had to grow up on. How many grew up on standard shift? I mean, if you're going to learn how to drive, you're driving with the clutch, okay? Even if the only way to get out of your neighborhood was to go up a real big hill and at the top of the hill was a stop sign. And if you weren't first where you could get up to the crest, you were actually on a 45-degree angle. And people came that didn't know who was driving your car and came right up behind you and didn't realize you were going to go back a little bit before you went forward. And you might even stall it and have to put on the emergency brake and 
Go through all the things that you would go through while they're honking the horn to get that car started. And then you pop clutches and burn rubber to make it up the hill. But that's how we learned. Well, she didn't want to want this car, though she liked it because she was nervous about driving it. So guess who drives this little girly car that's yellow? <laughs> Every once in a while, a sports car will pull up that's yellow, and I kind of feel good about it. There's even, there's even a yellow truck in Tulsa that's driven by a guy. That's pretty brave. But guess what I have to do? Tulsa is nothing but one-mile squares. That's what it is, unless you catch an interstate. So if you're there, it's just go through six gears, go back down six gears. Go through six gears, go back down six gears. It's just constantly working the clutch engaging and we ought to constantly be engaging our spirit in everything we do because if you're not conscious of engaging it i guarantee you you've stripped the bearings you've stripped that clutch you've stripped the gears well what does it look like to engage your spirit see that's my point it means you make choices that are spiritual in nature Choices that aren't judged by your flesh. Choices that are judged by your relationship with God. Can someone say an amen and kind of keep this from being too quiet? Amen. Does anybody have a problem with this so far? No. Does anybody feel like it's, it's, uh, it's helpful and it's worth hear hearing? You know, it's, it's a hard thing, is it not, to look back even on your day, a 12-hour period of time, and ask yourself, how did you manage your time? I'm not talking about self-help and self-management of time, but think about it. How did you manage your time? I had one lady raise a hand at this particular point. She was in, I think it was in Farquay, Verena, when I was doing a service there. She raised her hand. She said, well, I got a problem. I said, what's your problem? She said, well, I started a knitting business a couple of years ago. She said, I didn't even know that I was going to start it. She said, I just love to knit, and I actually do a real good job. So I put a few of the things that I knitted on the Internet just to see if anybody would like them. I got so many hits on those things that people ask, do you have any more? So I started a business. She said, I'm so busy knitting that I need every ounce of time I have. If I'm sitting waiting for anything, I've got my needles out and I'm knitting. Whatever I'm doing, I mean I'm knitting. It's just every second. I've got a list. I have to accomplish it. And it's by not just the hour. It's by the minute that I have my life organized in order to handle this. Well, I just outwardly said, why don't you get somebody to help you? Well, I tried that with my mother, but I spent so much time correcting what she wasn't doing right that I, I was behind. It's easier for me to do it myself. So where do I find time for grace? I said, well, i got a question for you. How much of what's on your list pertains to your spiritual relationship with God? She goes, well, I understand, but what I need to know is, I said, no, well, you don't understand how much of what's on your list pertains to your relationship with God. She said, I know what you're trying to do, but what I'm trying to say, I said, I'm not saying another word until you answer my question. How much? And then she went like this. None of it. I said, there we go. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, at least we understand that your list really isn't important. She said, what am I supposed to do? 
I said, until you're willing to take the value that you give something of this world and you've created to be so important to God, how in the world can he help you That's with right. what you're doing? You're literally saying this is so important. Can't talk to you now. I said, so really and truly, according to what is important, your spirit having a relationship, hearing God's voice and enjoying his company like he's a real person and having the advantages of his ability working in your ability, what your list says means nothing. So make the choice. I want God, I want my list. Because you got the list, you don't have God. If you got God, you don't have to worry about the list. What do you mean? If you put God as your importance, then why don't you ask Jesus to get his knitting needles and knit with you? Don't you think it's possible that you could get done in your 8, 10, 12 hour day of knitting, get done a couple hours earlier with God working with you, enjoy the fact that you had conversation with him, do a better job than you were doing, and because someone was there with you, you had twice, uh, uh, you had much less stress or no stress at all, and you actually enjoyed your day? And if that was possible, and you actually thanked him for being there, don't you think he would become a regular partner in your business? Yeah. Do you not see the potential for growing a business without any care at all, and people looking in and say, I don't know how you do this, and you say, well, i got all kinds of workers with me. <laughs> she said, wow, is, is that really all I have to do? See, we make it look like it's so difficult. I got my life, but I'm trying to put God in my life. No, you got to leave your life to go to him. And the moment you leave your life to go to him, that's when you find your life. Because your life isn't anything if he's not in it. Huh? Say it again. Your life really means nothing unless he's in it. Now, I'm going to say it again, and this is a hard one, because this gets into the modern-day 2015 lifestyle, and that is the majority of the things that we involve ourselves with in this world are distracting us from God. Pulling us away from how real God can be. And we have to make these kind of choices. See, these people we're talking about in the Word right here and the few more things that I'm going to read in the next few moments, these guys didn't have any of the stuff that we got going. It didn't mean that they didn't have similar situations. There wasn't things to worry about, but come on, think about it. How tense do you got to be when you're walking to work? And if you have enough money, you're riding your Cadillac called a donkey, and he's going just a little bit faster than the guy that's walking. Don't you think you got plenty of time for reflection? To look around and see the goodness of God and begin to magnify the Lord. Don't you think so? Don't you think it'd be a whole lot easier if things weren't so busy, there weren't so much noise to hear the voice of God? Amen. Have you ever been in a place out in the woods where it's real, real quiet and it's very difficult to look at something so beautiful and not just say something like, God, you're just so good. Yeah. And when it's quiet all around you, how easy it is to hear God. Think if that was kind of how you did life. Where it wasn't just one experience for two hours where you actually went out into a very surreal place. But what if you stayed and lived in that kind of environment day after day after day seeking God? Don't you think like Enoch that you'd find him? Yeah. And when you found him, you'd find out that he would gloriously reward you? Yeah. Yeah, that's 
With all kinds of goodies? No, with his presence. And if you have him, you've got everything you need. Amen. Amen. So let's just look at a couple of the thoughts here. I like this over in the fifth verse. It said, and an act of faith, by an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over, couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know that on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Notice that he cares enough to respond. Verse 7. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something that he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith, notice this, drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. And as a result, Noah became intimate with God. What part of that verse right there isn't exactly what I've been elaborating on for the last 10 minutes? Putting a very sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world, how society does life. Come on, I shared this the last time I was here, but it really makes sense. If you were to go on a very clear and beautiful night in the evening time to Times Square, New York City, so that you could look up in the middle of Times Square and see the beautiful stars, would you be able to see them? And the answer is what? I see people shaking their head. No. Why couldn't you see them? And isn't it because of the brightness of the lights of the city? Well, let me ask you a question. Who made the lights of the city, God or man? Oh, interesting thought, isn't it? Now, what about if you went 30 miles west out there into the, into the uh, mountains and hills of western New York, out into the countryside, and you looked up to see if you could see the stars? Could you see them? My goodness, it'd take you a long time to count them, wouldn't it? You'd see a blanket of stars. Now, how simple is that to declare what? The closer you're attached to what man builds, the less chance you'll have of seeing the stars. The more you remove yourself from society and what man builds, and you go back to what's really simple, the easier it will be to find the voice of God. How many believe he's everywhere? Do you believe he's everywhere? Come on, be careful if you really do. Is he everywhere? Is he here now? Is he with you in your home? Is he with you on your job? Is he everywhere? Yes. Then the only reason why you're not finding somebody that's everywhere is because you're looking somewhere else. Why are you saying things like this in this particular manner? I'm trying to get a point across that it's more simple than we've made it. We've made it so difficult. We've bought into a system that is the system of the world. Do you know, in the system of the world, it doesn't mean there's necessarily everything bad. There's a lot of wonderful and great things in the system of the world. Man's done some really good job of making some things fun, making some things enjoyable. I mean, people really love to go to some of these amusement parks and ride roller coasters. Not I, but anyhow, some people do. <laughs> and there's some fun things that man's created that are very enjoyable. It's not even as though the Lord would take you away from that. 
I can't tell you how many times I've shared with you already going golfing, that the Lord has blessed my time going golfing. I mean, in the middle of what should be a storm, I just go anyhow because I know what he's going to do. Pouring rain, I get out of my car, put my wetsuit on. I'm at the driving range hitting a few balls and it's pouring rain. And within seconds, as I walk up to the first tee, the sun comes out, the, the rain immediately stops, and I play the whole round of golf. I'm on, the only one on the course on a beautiful course. And when I'm done, the rain comes. Can't tell you how many times things like that have happened for something as silly as a golf game. But the Lord likes that I enjoy having some free time like that. And on my, my route to play a good game of golf, I enjoy all kinds of things, even like a bald eagle. It's not like he's trying to say life is ho-hum, but here's the deal. We're trying to balance whether God's cool based on the frivolous, meaningless, quote-unquote fun and cool things that man has come up with for entertainment. Which once you begin to see God, you realize all that stuff pales in comparison. Not like a little bit. I'm talking about by miles. And you begin to readjust what? Your priorities. Because it's what? It's a matter of perspective. What if God were sitting with you in your seat right now? What if he were so actively involved with you at this very moment that pains that you came here with in bones and joints and muscles, possibly some internal organs, that those pains are not even there right now? had a lady that came up in a service out in Arizona. It was really fun. We probably had about 15 people that were just like this. She came up and she said, well, I've got ringing in my ear. And she said, and it is bad. And it's been there for a long time. I'd really like you to pray for it. I said, it's really bad? Yes, it's terrible. Very, very loud. I said, how come it's not loud right now? What? I said, how come it's not loud right now? And her eyes just got big. She said, it's not, is it? And I said, no, it's not. What does that mean? And all of a sudden, she grabs you know, her face and she starts to weep. It's healed. Amen. Now, think of that. What did you do? I didn't do anything except make her question, question the validity of what she thought was so real. Because if you're willing to question the validity of what you think is real, then you've opened your heart to a different reality. God doesn't need very much in order to get in there and do a lot. I told you this, but it, it bears repetition because it goes along with these heroes of faith. My friend BJ, he went, you know, to a feed store and he's only been saved for three weeks. And he's at the feed store getting supplies and a lady comes in and she's just freaking out because of her cat. You remember this story. It's hard to forget this story. And BJ looks at her and says, what, what, what's wrong with your cat, ma'am? She said, well, I need a vet really bad. She said, I slammed the door on my cat's head. I just don't know how it's doing. Well, ma'am, I'll come out and look at your cat. He walked out there, looked at the cat, and it's laying on its side with its tongue hanging out of its mouth with a big, huge crease in its head. And she got all nine lives with one crack of the skull. It was dead as a doornail, all right? And BJ looked at her and said, you don't need a vet, you need God. She said, what do you mean? 
She said, well, your cat doesn't. Your cat needs life. It needs to live first before it can be repaired. She said, well, I'm a Christian. And of course, BJ, three weeks, he puts this together and his equation didn't work. What do you mean? Well, Christian, God, dead cat. That doesn't add up. That's like one plus one equals 15. That's a wrong answer. Incorrect. And he says, well, what, is, what does that mean? She said, well, I prayed. Okay, now you got prayer to God and you're a Christian, but a dead cat. That doesn't add up. That's not an accurate equation. Amen. <laughs> so he looks at her and he says, well, what was your prayer? She said, well, I prayed that God would have mercy on my cat. <laughs> and he just laughed right in her face. He said, man, I'm not going to pray for your cat. That's the ugliest cat I've ever seen. <laughs> he said, but I will pray for you. So he put his hand on her shoulder. Now, he doesn't know he's supposed to lower his voice, use the name of Jesus, and use Elizabethan English. <laughs> Father, thou hast knowest that thou art great, and thy great power, whence it came, now it shall be. I mean, he, does, he doesn't know any of that. So he just puts his hand on her shoulder, and this is what he said, God, please, please, open her eyes just enough so she can believe just a little, and then you can be God. In other words, he recognizes, why would God have a problem being God unless man's in the way? Right. So I need to help her get out of the way. Same thing I did with that lady. Are you sure it's hurting right now? Well, no, no, it's not ringing right now. I got her to question the validity of something that she was putting her weight and her value in. If I can get her to question it, then she's open to hear what? Experience something else. Yeah. <clears throat> when he prayed that little prayer, and then you can be God, she just immediately cried out. And so, God, I do believe. And just like that, meow, the cat sat up. And she looked at him with just freaked out eyes and goes, oh, my God, this is a miracle. And he looked back at her and said, no, that's not a miracle. Well, yes, it is. That's a miracle. No, ma'am, that's not a miracle. She said, well, if that's not a miracle, what is? And he said, the fact that you've been a Christian for quite some time, this is the first time you believe God. Three weeks being saved. So she went on a merry way with her little ugly cat that was now alive. And four days later, she phoned him up and called him. And she's just literally hyperventilating, going, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. This is amazing. She said, what is it? She said, well, I took my cat to the vet. And he did a cat scan. You know, when you tell the story, you can tell it any way you want to. <laughs> I got a friend that takes three or four of my stories, puts them together, and makes the biggest, whoppinest, amazing healing testimony that you've ever heard in your entire life. And I questioned him, and I said, Kevin, that's three stories put together. I said, that's not exactly how it happened. He said, well, I like my version. I'm going to keep telling it. I said, well, whatever, you know. <laughs> so he, the vet scanned the cat of the head. No, scanned the head of the cat. <laughs> That's the reason why I even said cat scan, because I was trying to say he gave a, a, a scan, the cat, and I said he did a cat scan. And then all of a sudden I realized, That's pretty good, you know. 
<laughs> so he scanned the cat, and he said, he said, ma'am, he said, there, there's no explanation for what's happened here. He said, you definitely crushed the skull of this cat. He said, I don't even know what's repaired it. He said, all I know is, is your cat's perfectly fine. Amen. He said, I'm going to scan the rest of the cat. And he did a scan of the rest of the cat. While he scanned the rest of the cat, big old saucer tears start dropping off his face, down his cheeks, dropping right off his face. She looks and says, Doc, what's wrong? He said, well, you know. I spayed your cat years ago. He said, all the female organs are back in your cat. It can have kittens. And she said, BJ, isn't that amazing? My cat can have kittens. And his next word, just as dry as can be, was, I'm going to give you money to get it spayed again. We don't need any more ugly cats in Tulsa. Now put some of these thoughts together as we're kind of getting toward the end of our time here. And what are we trying to say? We're trying to help you with these sermons, with this material. And we can use this material. You understand, you know, give me a second to say this. Don't think at all. Don't misrepresent what I'm saying. I love my Bible and I need my Bible. And one of the reasons why I need it is, is because my relationship with God is continuing to grow. Amen. The more and more and more real my relationship with God comes, becomes, the less I'll have to read the Bible. See, that doesn't go over well with Bible thumpers. <laughs> because you think I just disrespected the Bible. But this Bible is for you to find God. When God made Adam and Eve, they didn't wake up looking at a Bible. They came to life looking at God. There was no book. It was 24 hours a day, complete access to everything of heaven and heaven to earth. Their physical bodies were the only limitation to the earth realm, but their spirits were completely open to the access of heaven and God 24 hours a day, and God toward man. You see that over in Psalm chapter 8, where the angel said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou would visit him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor. In other words, heaven's wondering, what's God doing spending so much time with that? So they asked him, what's that? And God said, it's my prize creation. What's it called? Man. Well, you're spending a lot of time with it. Yeah. Because he's just like me, a chip off the old block. It was open access 24 hours a day. How come man needed a Bible? Because the Bible's plan B. Man messed up. Got kicked out of the garden. When he got kicked out of the garden, the punishment was, if you want another reality, then here you go. Here it is. What do you mean? When Adam gave his right and his privilege to honor and love God to the devil. That's why God said to Adam, guard the garden. In other words, guard your heart. Don't give your heart away. Don't give your heart away to whom? That's the point. 
If I'm saying guard it, that means it's possible that you wouldn't guard it. They should have been on alert. Eve should have known. You talk to someone else besides God, the potential is you give your heart away. Tim and I were talking. made a real good point. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which means it was just the world where all they knew was the wonderful blessings of spiritual communion and light and fellowship with God. The moment they gave their heart away, their whole reality was instantaneously changed. Now they became flesh beings attached to the world where they knew that there was a spirit realm, but now they're walking in the flesh realm, the good realm and the evil realm. And man today constantly has to make choices of whether or not you want to be in the realm of the spirit or you want to live in the realm of the flesh. Modern religion hasn't done a good job, and so modern religion has plucked from the very, the very essence of our inheritance the idea that there even is a spirit realm. So modern religion just buries you in your flesh and in the world, tries to become a psychological work for you. I know this guy, I'm, I'm there watching the, the dean of the school where I worked at one particular time, work on a guy that had an addiction. And you know what he told him? Instead of laying hands on him and casting that thing out, you know what he told him? Put a rubber band on your wrist, and if you start to have that addiction, snap that thing, and it'll bring you out of your addiction. Well, what happened to Jesus? What happened to the anointing? You joker. That's the same guy that I threatened his life. Told him if I wasn't sanctified, I'd whip his sorry rear end, take him out behind the barn, whip his sorry rear end. I said it in a couple of different ways in that. <laughs> I wasn't always so sanctified. I'm still working on it. And I don't mean that drawing toward, toward him. It's not toward him. It's toward the religion. It just makes you mad to see how we've actually harmed people. We've hurt people all in the name of Jesus because we're not willing to do what? We're not willing to investigate whether or not our spirit is connected to God. That's what that book is about. It's about there is a God. You can find him and just like the people in there that are telling you about him, you can have an amazing experience with him for the rest of your life. That book right there should cause you to say, okay, where is he? You read it, you put it down and say, now where is he? I want to find him. Not you read it and then quote it. I can quote two-thirds of the New Testament. Well, well, bully for you. If you can't live two-thirds of the New Testament, what in the world does it do to quote it? You heard the irony of what I talked about last night. BJ ends up going home experiencing God, and then he says it's not good, it's not good. Well, you know what he meant by it wasn't good? It took me two weeks to get it out of him. What he meant was, when he went and saw God and experienced God firsthand, and as they began to talk about whether or not things on the earth and the brand of Christianity that we know is accurate, God began to reveal to him what was accurate and what was not. And what was not good is, is this. He said there's a lot of people think they're going to heaven that aren't connected with God and they're going to hell. And I said, kind of like the scripture. See, I'm the one that has the scripture. He's the one that got the experience. I said, kind of like the scripture that says, narrow is the road to eternal life and few there be that find it. But wide is the road to, leads to the, uh, eternal destruction and many there shall be the faith. He said, that's it right there. That's what I saw. So while he's freaking out having an experience, I'm quoting him a scripture about every good thing and every perfect thing comes from above. <laughs> oh, Lord, shoot me now. Do you, see, do you see what happens? We use the scripture in place of the experience with God. 
Now, do you know what that means? And I'm going to say some here. I haven't said it in public before. And I don't really care about my ministry, so you can take it and put it up on your Facebook and get everybody to hate me. Hate mail. Go ahead and bring it. The Bible can become a deterrent to you finding God. You can put so much time, so much effort in learning the scriptures that you don't apply them so that you experience God. And then all you do is keep on wanting to learn more, learn more, learn more because it's not working. So you think if I can learn more, if I can quote more, if I can say more. You love being in a place where we say, does anybody know that scripture? Oh yeah, I know it. John chapter 1 verse 2. Does anybody know that? Oh yeah, I know it. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Does anybody know that scripture? Oh, I know it. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9. And you become the Bible man, the Bible answer man. But how much of that is working in your life? Do you see? It can become the actual wall that stands between you and God. Oh, well, that's wonderful because I really don't like reading the Bible anyhow. I'm not saying that. If you think I'm saying that, you're wrong. If your relationship with God is not vibrant and alive, then you need the information in this book to kick you in the seat of the pants to get you out of the way so you let God be real. And even after God becomes real, doesn't mean you throw it away. It becomes the most wonderful resource value for you to say, I had an amazing experience with God last night. He was sharing some things with me. And you get into the Bible and you say, oh my goodness, he shared that with Elijah. That's so cool. And it becomes a way for you to see that by the Spirit, by the Word, they agree one with another. And it becomes a wonderful way of facilitating even a better relationship. Amen. Amen. Anybody have any questions? Any thoughts? Yes, ma'am. My dad um, lives in Grady, Colorado. And when I, I was a few years ago, a long time ago, and he told me, he's like, he would, like, have, him and his wife, one has a dream, and then he would, they wake up, and she tells him about the dream, and he'll go pray for whoever she had the dream about or whatever. And he told me, I'm at, we're at a level that we have a relationship with God where I don't really need oh, where I don't really need to be taking is it on? Yeah. Where no, I don't it's really just really good to, to hold taking, on to one. Yeah. <laughs> check check. Um so anyway, he said I'm in a where we have a relationship with God. So I I don't need constantly to be re- looking into the wor- into the Bible for my answers. I can just ask God. And I was a new Christian, so I didn't understand that. I couldn't wrap my head around it. But when you said that, that's what I heard my father telling me that, that he had a relationship. So when he right. has a question, he asks God. He doesn't need to research right. for an And answer. people that don't have a relationship that's that real would say then that's pretty much borders blasphemy. And then they would come behind that by saying, and you're now going to find all kinds of familiar spirits in your life because you're not in the Word all the time. See, people are always going to say stuff like that. Now, I'll be honest with you. When you hear something like that, if you think that validates for you to throw the Bible out and not be in the Bible, then you've just missed it. What you heard was, is somebody over time has developed this wonderful relationship and communication with God where he actually gets answers. Come on, think about what we are. We're, We're psycho people, if you really think about it. I mean, we'll pray in other tongues for 15 hours and get one word called go. Get all excited about, my God, God spoke to me. What did he say? He said go. Where are you going to go? Well, I didn't get that part yet. <laughs> well, I could have saved you 15 hours. The Bible says go into all the world, preach the gospel. 
You see what I mean? I mean, we're way far behind in the experiential part of God being real in our lives. And one of the reasons why is because we've let the church services become our spirituality. Instead of experiencing him and desiring to have him between Sunday to Sunday. So that's very accurate. But how do we interpret that in light of a crowd of people that we don't know at what level you're at? Maybe just brand new and you're saying, good, I don't really want to read. I don't like reading. I don't want to study. I don't want to listen to anything. Well, then at your level, maybe you don't want to grow. Because there's really good fruit that comes out of reading the Bible and hearing someone talk like we've been talking. It's not because it's me saying it, but this kind of material that provokes you to take the plugs that are unnecessarily in the wall out so that you can plug into something that's very real. So thank you. That's really good. Amen. Anybody else got a thought, question, before we close down our time here? And I, I'm going to be ministering to some folks in here in just a second, but... Anybody else have a thought about the things that we've been sharing? Everybody got them down pat? Amen. Are you all kind of nervous? The people that usually find God easier are those that don't have so many pokers in the fire. People that have exhausted everything that they can do and they've gotten nowhere and they only have one place to turn. As long as your life is pretty good, it's not really, really bad. Not great, but not really, really bad. Then what part of your life is telling you you need a radical change? So most people won't. They're okay until something gets really bad. Right? So I share that. It's kind of sad. But I'm trying to do good due diligence now, learning God's voice, so that if anything were to negatively happen in our country, and I don't know if you ever... You know, pay attention to the things that are happening in our country, but it's not the same United States of America as when I grew up. It doesn't seem like it's going to be the same United States of America in 10 years from a distorted United States of America that it is in, 19, in 2015. I mean, if Jesus doesn't come, it's very possible that Christians could be running for their lives. being hunted down. No longer able to meet in meetings like this. National police. Military police coming in to break up a meeting. Our own fellow Americans. Russians that are here. Russian military that are here training. Syrians that are here training. Why would they be here training? Why would Russian military be here training? Well, because they obviously won't have a problem shooting other Americans. It's a real interesting country we've got right now. 
What happens if things go south? Everybody remembers the Great Depression. Our financial situation right now is 10 times worse than the day that the Great Depression, everything collapsed. 10 times worse. The only reason why it hasn't collapsed is because we still are a world currency holder and we're still printing billions of dollars every single month. No, our country is not increasing. No jobs are not increasing. All of it's fabricated. You got to know that the news media is literally protecting what's going on underneath our noses. So what happens if just like that, all of a sudden the dollar collapses? Pandemonium. Don't you think what's going on and the things that are happening right now in our country and the things that are on the news, and of course, nothing's just as far as some of the, the racial tension. None of that's just. None of that's right. But look at what begins to happen and the unrest that so quickly can turn from a little spark into a huge forest fire. What happened if the collapse of the dollar went? Everybody would literally be going absolutely crazy. People that have never had anything or are less fortunate, they'd be running to everybody and anything they could find to just grab and loot and pillar. Paints an interesting picture. People say, well, that sounds like the tribulation. What if, it, there's a, what if there's a time between the church age and the tribulation where some of this merges together? What if? Just what if? Wouldn't it be good to know God's voice? Wouldn't it be good to have his leading, to have you know where to go so that you could get away from some of this? He'd protect your family. What if there's all kinds of viruses unleashed upon our country? What do you mean unleashed? In other words, induced by the government. To do what? Kill people. Be a real good way to tame America. Just have all kinds of viruses to kill them. And they got all kinds of antidotes, but they don't give them out until they kill the number that they need to kill. And then they start coming out with vaccines to kill the virus that they went ahead and put into the country. You don't think stuff like that's going on? I know this is a small town, Albemarle, North Carolina. But we got to wake up and realize this is the kind of stuff that's happening in our country. As we speak, people are conniving these kind of things. It's called the devil's world. But I thank God, if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And these days we're getting ready to live in, those kind of verses, you're going to have to get out there, just like they did. Put yourself in a position where you cannot go back because there's nothing left for you to hold on to and stand in a place and watch God be God and deliver you and set you free just as real. I mean when it looks like there's three armies coming against you that outnumber you 10 to 1 and they're going to slaughter you and you send your singers out there say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And while you're singing, God starts to move against nation after nation. They kill each other. And you take three days to bring in all the spoil and all the bounty and all the blessing. And God's going to do that same kind of stuff in our day. And what if there were some crossover time before the day of tribulation when he'll do that for his people where he's going to have to do that for his church? As I've grown up all my life, we were painted the picture that you would be swimming in your pool, floating on your raft, baking in the sun and getting a suntan, and Jesus would come and catch you up, and you'd be caught up to be with the Lord, and thus shall you ever be with the Lord. That's the picture we were all painted. But what would happen if the day we're in, and what's beginning to happen in our country right now, if it bled over a little bit into our lives before it really got bad? Don't you see why? The message has to be real clear. 
Wouldn't it be good to have God's voice? Amen. Now, what would happen if what I just shared, the possibilities of the what if, and I did it because what if? I'm not saying it is. I don't know. I just see the signs of the time. But what if none of those things I shared actually happened before we were out of here? Wouldn't you be thankful for that? I would too. But my point is to bring you to a place of seeing how important it is that the things we've been talking about, the audacity of men and women to step beyond when their life was on the line and find God to be set free, these are the days for us to have to come to the end of ourselves and be ready to stand for the Lord. We've not had to do it. All of our health plans have been somewhat okay. Our fire insurance, our home insurance, our auto insurance, our warranties and our guarantees have all helped us to have a pretty good life over here in America. While there's other parts of the world that have literally been living in these type of conditions for years. We've been a very fortunate people. Our country was founded on godly principles. Thank God for it. But right now, there's not much godly left in our country except those who will know their God. They will do exploits. Be strong and do exploits. Daniel 11:32. So it's coming right back around to what? You and God and no one else. I like those odds personally. I do. I like those odds. I know it's a little bit sadistic, but I'll just say it like this. When you get yourself in a pickle where there's nothing else to do except believe God, I actually have a real good time right there. Because nothing else even satisfies. Nothing else can even help. It's just me and it's me, it's me and it's God, and that's all, the, all you got. That's actually a really good spot. My personality is a little bit warped, but I actually kind of like that. Why? Because it forces you. There's nothing else for you to do. It's just you and God. If you're going to get sick, why don't you get sick in the manner that says, the doctor says you're going to die. There's nothing we can do. It'd be better to have the doctor say there's nothing we can do than the doctor said there's many things that we can do. Because then usually you fold. And you let the doctor do all he can do in the name of Jesus. You're trusting God for the doctor to have his hands do all these kind of wonderful things. And then you come out of your anesthesia and you're praising the Lord that God was there and the guy next to you is cursing like a sailor and he's doing better than you are. And you're going to come to church and tell how God got you out of the surgery. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, that's not a good testimony. The good testimony is you didn't have to go. Yeah. Not, not really blessing everybody, is it? I probably should have stopped five minutes earlier. <laughs> Can I say that? Praise the Lord. Does that make sense, anybody? This is just an interesting time. God's calling us back to our first love. You, you don't think I'm just critical of what we call the modern church. Yes, I, I am coming against modern religion. It's made a mess out of my life and probably a mess out of most of us. But there's a lot of wonderful things that the quote-unquote church has done. There's a lot of great things that have happened. But if you go over there in the second chapter of Revelation, start reading from the very first verse, you'll find out that Jesus Christ himself, the head of the church, written in red, said, there are many wonderful things that you've done, but I do have one thing against you. You've left your first love. And this is pretty serious, because if you don't get back to it, 
mm, it's not going to really look really good. In other words, I'll remove your candle. Now people can talk all they want to about what that means, whether it's, it's, it's minor or whether it's a major removing of the candle. But you know, I kind of like candles. In other words, in reference to God removing my candle or leaving it alone, I kind of like candles. So in other words, what I'm saying is I'd rather read that and say, Jim, come on, let's get with the program here. Let's let go of the world. It really isn't that important. The book of Revelation shows you how important it is. God's going to flush this whole planet. So why in the world would you hold on to something that he's going to flush? He's going to make a brand new one, praise the Lord, and it'll be awesome. Well, why don't you lift your hands and worship the Lord for a second. Father, I thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, who in this room, while you lift your hand, the moment you did, I felt there's someone here physically, your heart has had some problems. Who in here has had some heart problems? You may know it by the, by the doctor, or it may not be something that you necessarily know. Is there someone in here that's had heart problems? Anyone at all? Ma'am, you, would you like to be healed? Come on up here. While you're just worshiping the Lord, that's good. Anyone else besides this one dear lady? You've had problems with your heart. Is there someone like that? Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just grab my hands. The wonderful name of the Lord I release into your body. Well, there it is right there. No sense to go any further. Whoo, glory. Feel that going to you? Huh? You always wobble like that or you just... Huh? No, you don't? You feeling something? Pretty good, isn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. What's the possibility that you got a brand new heart? You don't need heart medication? You could start running and jogging and walking real fast and walking up hills and not be out of breath. Your heart beat just right. Sleep all night long. Isn't that good? Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Amen. I'd, I'd be enjoying that too. Why don't you go sit back down. Yeah. What if there's more of that in this room? Amen. Anybody in here, doctor recently, has given you some type of a negative report? There's all types of negatives. It doesn't have to be a negative that you're dying. It could just be a negative report that you've got something that you don't believe you should have. Anybody in here like that just recently? You got yourself a negative report. Yeah? It's not that back, is it? No, how's that back doing? All right, come on up here. What about you, sir? But, you know, I have to tell you, you know, that, that it, you know, there's a chance 
and I'm, you know, and he asked, you know, are you, you know, and it's like, that to me, do I agree to have the surgery? But if you don't have the surgery, your right eye will be like your left eye, and you'll be, I uh, hate to say it, but you'll be totally blind. Right. Okay, my, I've got a foreman um, <coughs> to see him this, com this coming Thursday. Right. Right. And then, and then the doctor said something to you about multiple sclerosis too, right? About what? Multiple sclerosis, is that right? MS? Is it in the water? Is it in the water you drink or something or what? Are you paying attention to the Holy Ghost? Are you listening to him at all? Kind of sounds like you're still back and forth. And of course that sounds a little bit like the book of James. And the book of James talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let him not think he'll receive anything of the Lord. So you're not getting anything from God at this point. Right? Right? You're not really getting anything. In other words, you're going by doctors. Doctors are telling you what to do. And they're giving you what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. And you're pretty much having to, to go by them right now. I mean, their wisdom and what they can do is where you're, where you're at right now. Isn't that where you're at? I mean, you can throw names like God, Jesus, Holy Ghost, all that kind of stuff in there. But where you're really at is, is you're, 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 you're having to go by what they're saying right now. And you're trying to fit God into that world. Isn't that right? Well, it's been that way up to just, you know, like the last, you know. But, uh, the last what? Finish that sentence. The last, it's been that way up until the last what? The last couple of days since we've been talking? Or the last couple of weeks? Or what? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm trying to help you. So let me ask you a question. What do you want? Just try to narrow it down to one thing. What do you want? Don't you think Jesus loves you so much he removed all of your sin and all of our bad choices, right? So he's not holding anything against you just because you've been the doctor, right? Don't you think he wants, wants an opportunity? Okay, I was wondering what the Holy Spirit told you. Yeah, you started that. So the Lord needs to, to touch you, doesn't he? You want the Lord to touch you, right? You want to keep that model of sclerosis or you want that to go? 
both my hands are just about, I, I have very little feeling in both my hands. And what about you? You're going to hold on to it? You're going to leave, let go of it tonight? So you don't need prayer tonight? Oh, yeah. You what? I, I threw it away the other day when you were talking, and I said, Devil, you can't put me in a wheelchair now, or you're going to leave and shut up. I haven't hurt him since. I haven't felt any symptoms since. Amen. It's pretty awesome. So the things that you were feeling that, that's attached to multiple sclerosis, you, you got it. Okay, let me help you a little bit now. So from here on out, remember, the devil's in a, in a, in a penalty box. He's in a timeout, been in a 2,000-year timeout. Okay? He has no power. What do you call somebody with no power? He has how much? None. Well, what's none be? Zero? zero? Okay. So if you did an equation with the devil in it, what would it turn out to be? Zero plus zero equals what? Zero. Okay. So if there's any value in the equation and the devil has no power, then who has to give it value? I'm sorry, if there's no value in the equation, if it's zero plus zero equals zero, and that's the way it should be concerning the devil, if there gets value added, in other words, if it's 0 plus 1, 0 plus 5, 0 plus 10, who adds the value if the devil has no power? We do. There you go. That's exactly right. Okay? That's exactly right. You did. So from this point on, recognize you don't ever have to have anything because as long as you don't give it value, there's nothing that can actually be real. That's the coolest part of it. All of this stuff of, of, of narrowing it down to you being the one who receives it or doesn't, it's hard on us to hear that, but the beauty of it is if I'm the one that's giving value to an equation, then my goodness, take the value back. Equal it out to a zero plus zero is zero. Might be hard to have to look at yourself and say, I guess it's me, isn't it? But the good part is, if it is me, then the same me can make a choice to get out of the way. So while your wife sitting there free of multiple sclerosis, let's get you free. And get rid of those cataracts. And open up those eyes. Come on up here. Well, glad you came. Glad you came. Amen. I'm going to just simply put my hand on you, and God's going to do something wonderful. He's going to show you that he's been wonderful all along. Wow, thank you, Lord, for that. Well, that starts going in you the moment I touch you. And everything about multiple sclerosis. We take care of that first just to say it's absolutely a lie. 100% a lie. And I commend that thing to come out of you in Jesus' wonderful name. And by God's great grace and power in Jesus' name, this body is fixed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Amen. Amen. No longer stumbling around. No longer losing your strength. No longer losing your balance. But God's in you right now to run, shout, and dance. Amen. Oh, I might want to experience some of that if I were you. <laughs> feeling, feeling some of that in your hands? It's kind of nice to feel your hands again, isn't it? Maybe they're stronger than they were when you came up. Squeeze. 
This one meant real. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> huh? What's the possibility it's working? Oh, yeah. You're starting to feel them? Maybe I'd get happy if I were you. Might <laughs> <laughs> do in a pinch, right? Yeah. <laughs> do a little celebrating. Maybe if, is this your daughter? Yes, yes. Maybe if the two of you walked around the room a little bit, you might be able to just see a whole lot better and just take right off on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Sure beats walking into a pole. Take off, walk. Well, there you sit. We need some reality change, don't we? Huh? You know, if, if you were the only one, I'd feel sorry for you, but we're all in the same position. We've yielded to our flesh in one way or another for so long. It's just, if you don't think of it, you just go right back. Sad illustration, but like dog to a vomit, it always returns, you know? Like the path of least resistance, water always takes. You just run right back, get swallowed back up in the flesh again. Start feeling sorry for yourself because you're looking at yourself as though you're a flesh. And you're not a flesh, you're a spirit. And if you looked at yourself as a spirit, my goodness, you couldn't help but slap somebody. You're so happy. <laughs> you got an absolute perfect report every single day. Are you sitting down? Are you kidding me? That's as far as you went. Jesus done touched you right up here. Feeling starting to come back in your hands. Glycoma is starting to disappear. Cataracts are beginning to dissolve and disappear. And you're sitting down? Get your rear end up and start walking around this room. Get him up start walking around this room. If you don't want to get it, I want to get it for you. Enjoy it, brother. Enjoy it. This is no time to sit. This is time to walk around, man. Walk around. Enjoy Jesus. Keep going. You're not, you're not full of multiple sclerosis anymore. No, you're not. Well, if it is, then walk. There you go. Walk. That's what Jesus told the blind man. He didn't say, hey, you better get somebody to hold on to you. He said, go home. If CNN got a hold of what Jesus told people and what Jesus did, they'd have blown that whole thing up and crucified him a whole lot sooner than three and a half years. He spit on someone's tongue. He rubbed spit on someone's eye. Think of the things Jesus did. You're awful quiet. You don't like that I just got on his case. Keep on walking. You ain't done. It's going to be midnight. You're going to wear a groove in, the, in this linoleum. See, there's something working in you, brother. You look different right now than you did the first time. Yeah, amen. Go ahead and just walk. Amen. Enjoy his presence. Yeah. Yeah. If you need to get fueled up again, come back to the 
to the gas station. <laughs> this is not weakness. I think it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> well, then run. Maybe if it's the Holy Ghost, there's nothing wrong with you. And you don't want No, I don't. What, tell me. The devil hates this. He, he's right now. He said, oh, man. Look, this, this, is, this is the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Is, but I'm not. <laughs> that way. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I'm nicer than Brother Hagen. He used to pinch you right back here. <laughs> he did. Well, you know the Lord loves you. Amen. <laughs> you just keep on going, brother. Don't mind me. I'm not minding you. No one's even looking at you. Just keep going. Thank you, Lord. Well, just take some of that right there. Hallelujah. Now, this is what I'm going to say to you. I'm not going to be mean. I'm just going to say something that I believe you'll be able to identify with. Tonight, when you get off of this seat, and you turn around to walk back, you make, let that become, if you will, just something as though as a visual that you're no longer the person that you were. In other words, I want you to become absolute. Because I know you vacillate. Back and forth. You'll be strong, and then you'll run back to the flesh. And guess what? You're not alone. Yours truly does it too. We're learning how to become more absolute. But I'm helping you to say, when you get up and you walk back to your seat, you're a different person. You don't see yourself the same way. Start to change your reality. It's not difficult. It's a choice. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I reckon you earn the right to sit down for a couple minutes. <laughs> when I said that, you just went over there and jumped back down. See? Which says what? You've got to change the way you see. Wait, 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 wait. Listen to me. No, no, no. You can stay seated. But change the way you see what you've been. In other words, the joy that you had when I said you've earned the right to sit down and you quickly went over to sit down. Change that until you can't wait till the service is over to get up. Yeah. Instead of looking forward to sit down, now, since God's touched you, you can't wait to get up. Yeah. Your reality is changing. Yep. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Who else in here? Just before we leave, you say, I want to get ministered to. Nathan, come on up here. You want to get ministered to as well? Okay, that's fine. Well, we've already covered this. Yep. Amen. The devil's a liar. We know that. Yes. He's not the issue. And we're deciding to do what? To be receptive to that wonderful life and that anointing. Mm -hmm. Make a connection every day. What stops that life from working? Well, glory. There's the anointing right there. In the wonderful and precious name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be filled in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful Lord. No cancer in that body. None left. Amen. A no sickness, no cancer zone right there. Hallelujah. This isn't based on what we think. This is based on what God says. Amen. And what God just did to him. If you change the way you see things, it works really well with the Lord. It really does. 
You in the back. What do you need? That's all right. You just stay back there. What do you need from a distance? No, you can't. So what you need? Are you sick? No. Maybe mentally a little bit. No, you look like you're a little strange. That's all right. Everybody seems to. Why don't you just lift your hands? Why don't you just lift your hands and, and get in a place of just being receptive, okay? Well, I'll tell you what. Just stand there like a bump on a log. Turn right here. And let me just pray for you, all right? And listen to the words that I say. Father, I thank you for loving this young man. You sent Jesus for him. You paid for all of his sins just like you did every one of us here tonight. Now, Father, I ask you right now, through my hands, let this wonderful glory and touch of heaven show this man how much you love him. Open his eyes, Lord, like the scripture said, just like I ask you to open all of our eyes so we can see things clearly. I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Listen to these instructions carefully, brother. This is what I feel like the Lord's telling you. When you go home tonight, and it's just you, all alone with God, the lights are off, you're sitting on your bed. Open up your heart and just ask him to show himself to you. And let God become real. At the very least, your heart will feel warm. And you'll know that something's real from heaven, at the very least. Open your heart up for God to be real. Will you do that? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. That's what he wants to tell you. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. You did. Isn't that strange? <laughs> Who else? Yes, ma'am. I think I prayed for you last time I was here. Broken hip and back. You do. And I have a lot of trouble getting around. Hmm. Just need a little relief. You having pain and everything? I mean, it's been been tough, hasn't it? Pretty much all the time. Pretty much all the time. Amen. Well, wouldn't it be kind of weird if pretty much all the time turned into right now you didn't have any? It would. I know. I'm feeling that myself. What, your pain? No, your freedom. Your freedom. Wow. I'm almost feeling like grabbing you by the hand and running around this room. Dragging if I have to, but we'll be running both together. Before the <laughs> Whoo, glory. Hallelujah. Come on, lean back and forth from side to side. And tell me when it feels a little bit different than it was before you came. It's feeling different. Why is it feeling different? The back is not hurting now. Huh. Still getting a little catch in the, where the hip is broken. Well, you got two of them. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're just so complaining. I mean, you got one good one and one that's just not so bad and you want to argue about it. I mean, why don't you check it right now? Huh? It feels pretty good. It does, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. I mean, we're just kind of waltzing, 
really sadly waltzing, but kind of back and forth. <laughs> I'll take it. And, and Jesus is doing the work, isn't he? He is. You know, he said, where two or three are gathered together, my name, there I am in the midst. What's the possibility? He's right here right now. Oh, I'm sure he is. Isn't that awesome? It is. Hallelujah. That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe you could walk around and skip to the loo, my darling. You remember that song? <laughs> yes, I have. For her to walk around this room by herself? Yeah. Oh, Lord, everybody stretch your hands out. Let's just pray that she might be able to walk around this room. <laughs> Let's go. Now, here's the deal. You're walking like you're a spring chicken. I don't know how old you are, but you're fooling everybody because no one would believe that you came in here not walking like you can, because you're doing really good. So come with me and walk a little bit faster. Like pick it up a little bit. <laughs> now who's that lady up there on the front row? That's my daughter. Okay, now go tell your daughter how wonderfully blessed you are so she doesn't freak out when you're at home and try to keep you from doing what you're doing. Telling me, don't do it. Leave it for me. Well, now you're going to have to get out of the way, aren't you? <laughs> Mom, Mama done told off on you. Yeah. Give me five on that. <laughs> huh? And Sissy, you're going to have to let her just be spry. She's got to stay off ladder slide. She's got to stay off. She'll have to stay off yes, nothing. She does. That's how she broke her hip. You know what? <laughs> you want to run her into the grave, you do so. No, I don't want to do that. But you just let her be. You let her be. You let her, how old are you? 82. At 82 years of age, a woman should have the right to die by falling off a ladder if she wants to. Thank you. Because you've been around long enough. <laughs> and for your family to try to keep you around another five or six years and, and, and keep you from having a ladder experience is a shame. Because all that says is it's their selfishness. Because the truth of it is, let mama be mama, and what you'll find out is, if you'll get out of the way, somebody called Grace will get in mama and do a better job than you could ever do. Now, a traveling minister can say stuff like that because if you're mad at me, I'm leaving in just a little bit. <laughs> you know what? I'm just helping you. That's all I'm doing. Because we love our loved ones so much that we become the hindrance to God's grace. We do. That's where, you know, there's no sense climbing a 40-foot ladder to put new shingles on the top of the roof. Thank the Lord. Well, there you go. If you need wash windows, wash windows. My mom's 82 years age. She gets the ladder out. She does all kinds of stuff. Spry as can be. Why would I stop her? Oh, Mom, don't do that. You're old. Oh, no, we don't tell her she's old. Well, I know. But what you do is, is you act like she is. Okay? So from now on, guess what? It doesn't mean... Hey, listen. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't want to, because I'll do the same thing, that you wouldn't want to go over and help Mom do some stuff and say, why don't I get this part? We're not talking about being so anal here not being a, a son to her that wants to help her. We're just saying, don't enable her to not be able to walk in this room. And you just got through saying, it'll be the Lord if she's able to walk around and walk around the room. Did you see her trot around the room? 
When you're 82, what she did is trotting. Huh? That's, that's as far away from a jog. How are you feeling sitting there all spry? Amen. Put them in a headlock and just let them know who's in charge. Is everybody doing okay? Come on, let's close this service down. Y'all have been really so gracious to, to listen. What do you want? Yeah. And uh, I'm asking God, like the the man who went and said, you know, to heal, just send your word. Yeah. She's in the bed. Last on Mother's Day, she says, you know, I feel like Elijah crying out, God, because she's in such pain. Okay. Then do this. Then do this for me. Don't worry about that. Watch this. Okay. You got a cell phone on you? Yeah. Okay. So as soon as I pray right now, you go outside, and you give her a call and say, Mama, count to ten. What just happened? And let her vocalize what just happened. Yeah. In the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, fire touches that bed yes. and fire touches that body. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go on out and call her. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. They done test. Told me I have two herniated discs in my neck. Do you know where they are? They're in my C five and C six. Okay. And told me that they want me to do physical therapy. And then if that doesn't work, start getting shots in my neck. How about if we just beat it out tonight? Come on up here. Hey man, where's the where's the where's the five and six? Right there. So if I wrap that pretty good, it's either going to hurt worse or all of a sudden you're perf perfectly well, right? <laughs> Have you been having shooting pain while you've been sitting there? No. No? Got a little Hulk on you, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to love a Marvel comic guy, you know? I mean, that's worth a healing right there. Jesus, help us. <laughs> Amen. Well, I thank God right now. Amen. Lord, thank you for touching this. Woo, glory. Don't have to say, mm. command that right there. Hallelujah. You, that's it, brother. Hey, man, you won't be the same. There'll be no more shooting through your arms. There'll be no more pain going down. You won't have any more numbness. And you won't have to go back to the doctor for that because there won't be anything to go back to him for. Hallelujah. That's really good. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor, you got anything on your heart? I mean, it's our last night. We're not trying to make a marathon. But before we turn it back over to Pastor, and before we go, is there anything you got on your heart? I know earlier you said to me you felt like there might be some people in the room that should have come down that maybe were a little bit shy of coming down. And of course, when you see me, you know, manhandle this guy right here and, and run grandma around the room and tell this brother back here, get your rear end off that chair and run around the room, you know, and then this guy back here vocalizes what you're thinking is, I don't know if I want to come up there. Maybe I'll just kind of get my, my blessing from back in the back row. Oh, don't be afraid of me. I'm just doing things for you that you won't do for yourself. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? 
Well, it's like this. And, this, and you've got to understand, this is not, I don't try to make stuff up. I'm just listening to the Lord. But here's the deal. She wouldn't have walked that fast. Yeah. Do you know why I made her walk that fast? You know why? Because my hips are fine. Do you get it? I'm not hurting. So her pain don't bother me. So I'm going to make her do what she wouldn't do on her own. In other words, I can help her step a step beyond herself. Amen. And that's where God meets her. Yep. That's why ministry times like this can be a, a real well, shot in the arm or a real boost to your own personal relationship with God. Yeah. It doesn't mean it has to be the way that we did it for her to get it. But when I'm ministering and I see people like this, I'm encouraging you to do things you couldn't do. And that's for a purpose. Because on your own, you wouldn't do it. You'd let somebody just very slowly lead you around. And here I'm making you walk. Now get going. Get going. I'm making you push yourself beyond where you are so that you're not in the way. Stepping beyond your comfort zone is a way to get out of the way. So maybe there's someone tonight that you didn't come up, but you should have come up. Isn't that wonderful to have that power go into your heart? It's good, isn't it? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't that be wonderful to just uh, wake up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden have all kinds of tremendous power? Put your hands out like this. Wonderful Lord Jesus, thank you for the grace of Jesus Christ. Wow. Amen. Amen. Well, that's going into you right there. To do what? To show you how blessed those hearing, your hearing tubes and bones are. To show you how well you hear. To revitalize and awaken your hearing. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Father. Amen. What's going on, Mama? Yeah. I said, no, you're not. Mama, you wake up right now. <laughs> and so I called her again because I got her voicemail. And then she woke up all groggy. And then um, I immediately, I said, Mama, count to 10. So she did it immediately, all kind of groggy and low. I said, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm not feeling good. I said, Mama, how are you feeling? What does it feel like in your body right now? I'm in pain. I said, you count to 10 again. <laughs> and she counted to 10 again. And I said, Mama, what's going on? Oh, I'm sorry, D. You know, I said, you know what? I said, and I reminded her about the story in the Bible. Right. I said, that healing just went out. I said, I feel it in my back right now, Mama, like a cool, fresh mint in my back. I said, that's yours. I said, so you, do you believe it? She said, I believe it. I said, if that devil tries to come and take, uh, take that back from you, you tell that devil where to go, Mama. I said, because the healing is yours tonight. Amen. So go call her now. Tell her, tell her, get your body out of that bed and sit up, wiggle your feet around. Tell her to do something. Don't let her just sit there. And be careful with the religious thoughts, which are tell that devil where to go. No, she got to tell herself where to go. I mean, I ain't heard about the anointing being like a cool man. I'm going to steal that one, use that one. That's awesome. That's great. Cool mint went down my back. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Yep. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank God that the anointing of Jesus Christ is there to heal the ear. Hallelujah. So I command these ears to open. 
Jesus' name. To no longer be bound. Everything Jesus does is to set people free. So be free in this wonderful, precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands and just worship the Lord for a moment and let her come back in and share a few thoughts. And then we'll set people. I know there's some people here that have an hour, hour and a half to, to go home and all. We're not going to try to keep you. But it's just good to let God do a few things here and a few things there. And, and people slowly get in a little bit more and a little bit here. But Father, we thank you so much for just loving these people. And Lord, we ask you to do something. Listen closely, everyone. Father God, help us to not think religious and talk religious anymore. Help us to just be real. Because the more real we'll be with ourselves, the easier it'll be to be real with you. I ask you to do that for all these people. Cause them in the middle of saying something like, Oh, Father, thou art great, thou art... To just stop for a second and say, God, you're just really good. Thanks so much for being good. To just be more real. Where you can literally come, show yourself to be the strong, awesome Father that you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for talk, talking to us, teaching us, awakening us, the healing power that sets people free from cancer, that opens ears, that causes an eye to be well, that heals hips, removes multiple sclerosis and disease. Thank you, Father God, for even healing this dear mama miles away with all this pain. To know, Lord, that the pain is shooting out of her body never to return because the wonderful cool mint of Christ is in her back. Thank you, Lord, for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor, if you'd come. Well, we are... Uh... We're going to let the people go that need to go. If you, Brother Jim, feel like this is right, I think, I think it is. Um, I believe that there's actually several more people that would like to have you agree with them and pray with them. And uh, if that's you agreeable to continue doing some of that, all right. And uh, so if you want more prayer, just start lining up here after we're done. I want to go ahead and dismiss you. Uh, one thing is going to happen. This, this is just the way God works. Just you being in this meeting doesn't mean you know, that you had to have Jim lay his hands on you. God can start working just as you start getting revelations of grace. You may wake up tomorrow morning. You may be on the way home. It may be before you go out that door, you find that grace has done something in your body. Grace has done something in your finances. Grace is, if you have a testimony, you can go, uh, go to boomerangchurch.org. I think it's under con contact. You can hit give your testimony. Will you pull that up and show it where it is? We want to receive that testimony, and then we'll pass it on uh, to Jim to let him know. And listen, your testimony helps others receive that kind of grace. If God loves you, he's not a respecter of persons. He's going to love me the same way. So you can go right up there to uh, connect and share your testimony. So here's the last thing as we go out tonight. We'll dismiss. If you want prayer, stick around. Uh, in 1 Timothy 5.17, it says this. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy, not just of honor, but of double honor. Well, I would say that we have an elder that's been with us all week, and he has ruled well on the things of God and shown us. It's not just worthy of just uh, a little bit of honor. It's worthy of double honor.
especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So remember that. Don't be moved just by emotion, but just seek the Lord. Lord, what's double honor tonight to you? And Lord, let me be obedient and move in love. You didn't just fill out that envelope, the love offering envelope that you received and stick it in that box on the wall back there on your way out. No pressure, no anything else. Just, hey, let's love on God as we love on Jim. Amen. So, Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you just for the grace that's poured out already, Lord, testimony after testimony of the work that you're doing in people. Lord, we praise you and we honor you. Lord, let us take this and let it just be a motivator. Let our prayer be, Lord, that our eyes of understanding would be open, that we would start to see more and more how you desire a connection with us. You are not withholding anything from your bride. Nothing is being held back from your heart. And Lord, we receive it. We thank you for connection. We praise you, Father, for Jesus. Him, uh, helping us to move more towards you this week. And Lord, we just thank you for the grace that goes with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great one. If you like prayer, stick around. And we are so thankful that you are here and a part of it this week. And Jim, thank you so much. Thank you. Darkness you shine